0: Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Giants fans. Welcome to week three of the Giants beat. My name is David Blutzi and I am joined once again by my co-host, Alex Wilson. Say hi, Alex, if you're in. I, I think oh. you're in right now. Let's see.
1: How's it going, folks? I have managed to get in here from Spain, so we are here and ready to go.
0: There you go. We're an international version of the Giants beat. We have a few things we got to talk about. Some would say these are international issues of mass importance for the New York Football Giants. They are now 0-3 after having what I would describe as the most soul-crushing loss of the season in the most season-defining game for the Football Giants. They stormed back in the fourth quarter, put on a fantastic show for about seven minutes there, and then in colossal fashion, managed to lose on a 61-yard field goal by an NFL rookie as the time expired. There is a lot to talk about here now. The Giants are 0-3, and is all hope gone? I mean, in the next half hour, we're going to talk about that. The answer is yes, but still. And we're also going to be positive, in a sense, and try to look forward, see if there's anything to salvage.
1: For the season.
0: But Alex, you have a lot to talk about. I want to let you take away with it. What, what's the first thing you want to talk about today?
1: Well, I just want to you know, uh, take a look at the fact that you said they put on a show. I don't want every game to be a show. I want to turn on the TV, watch the Giants put up 21 points in the first quarter, and then watch them coast to a victory. I don't want to be on the edge of my seat every single game scared that they're going to blow the lead or Eli Apple's going to run into Janoris Jenkins to allow allow somebody to catch a ball and put them in somewhat field goal range it's at this point it is just depressing and I want to start off with talking about the wide receivers because I thought that despite scoring 21 points in five minutes they didn't look that great um you know, they put up 24 points, eclipsing the 20-point mark for the first time since week 12 of last season. That's embarrassing, and I think that this was this was Eli Manning's show. I think that, you know, last week he said, I'm going to make a comeback, I'm gonna, I have to play better, and he did. Um, you know, the difference between this week's uh, offense and week two was that the blame shouldn't fall on the offensive line, but rather the wide receivers. I thought the offensive line actually played pretty well, considering they have been very bad lately. Um, what do you think? Do you think the offensive line did, did okay? Or Because I thought, I thought that the, they were serviceable to this game. I didn't, I didn't hear Eric Flowers' name called at all, which was very exciting. I mean, given Eli Manning did get rid of the ball in 1.86 seconds, which was 0. .44 seconds less than anybody else, any other quarterback in the entire NFL. So given that he was releasing the ball uh, you know, faster than anybody else, they didn't, the offensive line didn't really have much time to mess up. Um, do you think they did? They played better or, you know, played the same? Um, I, I guess it's up for interpretation. I
0: think you honestly already answered your own question. I don't think the offensive line played bad because they didn't have enough time to be bad. As you already said, Eli Manning had to throw the ball .44 seconds faster than any other quarterback last week. And those four-tenths of a second for an NFL player and for NFL wide receivers is a lifetime. That could be a difference between a 20 yard gain, or it could be a difference between a touchdown. If they have enough time to break away from a cornerback or a safety, and Eli is able to locate them and throw the ball in the right way, the game could be been completely different. So the offensive line for under two seconds could hold Eli Manning up. Congratulations. That's so proud. We didn't screw up on two seconds. I'm not sure if it's Eli Manning just being afraid now that he can't trust his offensive line, so he's releasing the ball faster or they just played okay. But I don't think this is something to congratulate the offensive line on, especially when you see that difference. And .44 is not a small amount of time. It might sound like that, but there's so much that happens on the NFL field in that space of time and moment that right. Eli could have benefited from, even if it was just average. Even if it was average, significantly uh, in terms of targets, in terms of timing. And it could have made a, a huge difference to the team. So
1: I don't think it's a proud thing to be, I, that, I, but it's
0: encouraging.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think that they should be proud whatsoever. I think, you know, Eli Manning carried the team in week three. He put up three touchdowns in five minutes. I mean, he threw two interceptions, but one of them was a tips pass. Another one was just a a, a jump ball to Brandon Marshall. I mean, it, he was up against a, a cornerback that was pretty much his exact size. I mean, he just, he just got out. He just got bullied. <clears throat> I mean, it was a little bit, it was a little bit thrown towards the, the middle of the field, but I think he should at least, you know, try and knock it out of his hands, do something. You know, Eli gave him a chance, and he just he failed to make the play. Um, I think that, you know, everyone that was saying, you know, Eli needs to go, Eli that, Eli this, you know, it's, it's, we saw what he's capable of in week three. He, he came to play, and he was, he was very – he was good he was better than any of us probably expected him to be. So I think True. that, you know, going into week four. Yeah. I mean, I think going into week four, we need to, we need to say like Eli is going to be carrying this offense along with Odell Beckham jr. They're, they're The only two players that are actually making plays. I mean, we're going to, we're going to touch on a little bit more about, you know, the tight ends, the running game, a little bit further into the podcast. But I think right now, Eli Manning, like, do you think that he's going to be the guy that will, you know, pick them up when they're when they're going down. Do you think he's he can still do it? Because I think that he showed sure that he can do it.
0: He should he should he can absolutely do it. But the problem doesn't come down to can Eli do it. It's that like can Eli save this team? And just based on the record, 0 3, the answer is no. It, it doesn't matter about the individual game. I mean, it still obviously does in the moment. But in terms of the season now, it's almost lost for sure. Because 97% of teams who start 0-3 since 1980 have not made the playoffs. The only one who has is the 1988 Bills. So it doesn't come down to now, can Eli Manning carry this team for a week or two or even three and play well and leave it away? It's now, is the season already over? How long do we keep on throwing Eli out there? We're at week eight, week nine, week ten, and the Giants are 2-8, and 3-7, and 4-6. and six do we even bother bringing him out there for a game? Do we look towards the future? How much longer can Eli Manning carry this team? And if he can, which we, we obviously know Eli Manning can carry an NFL offense a that team, it comes down to when do we start looking forward? So it's a very interesting dynamic between wanting to win now and wanting to see possibly the next QBs and Giants or anyone or Geno Smith. The point is, is that it doesn't matter anymore at this point. unfortunately, the record and, and the, future. I, I the future. I
1: agree. I agree. I mean, it, it does have to be about the future. Um, you know, they have Davis Webb sitting back there. Geno Smith, there's no reason in putting Geno Smith out there just because he's not the future of the Giants, you know? So do they put Davis Webb out there, let him grow a little bit, get some game time experience if the Giants are, you know, clearly not in the race anymore? I heard a great analogy the other day um it was like a doctor he's he's there's, there's a person is on life support and he's about to pull the plug but he is, everyone's telling him you know wait a little bit longer wait a little bit longer and like and everyone's everyone's sitting there watching the doctor and he's about to pull the plug and that's where the giants are right now they're they're in that position that if they don't win this game the plug is pulled it's they, they're they on the deathbed they're pretty much ready to go so if, if they can you know scrape a win out maybe they can get a heartbeat going maybe they can Maybe they can get some sort of life back in this in this season. But uh, right now, it's not looking so good, as you said before. And hope is nearly gone, I would say. You know, I mean, they're they're up against Tampa. Tampa didn't have a great week last week. Um, then they're playing the Chargers, two teams that are beatable. I mean, all the teams they've played are beatable. But then they have to play Denver, and then they have to play the Seahawks. It's it's going to get rough down the road, and they need to, you know, prevent injuries. And, you know, it's it's it, there's a lot that's going to be going into these next few weeks, and they need to win these next two games, or else they will be in the gutter and they will have to consider taking Eli Manning out and letting him, you know, you know, break that record of uh, you know, shatter that to that two hundred and probably what, two hundred and fourteen games started now in a row. That game that, that record should be over because there's no reason in risking his health or even, you know, trying to salvage a season that's already that's already too far behind us. We need to start looking for the future, like you said, put David web out there, see what he can do. You know, just start looking forward because I think at this point, we're, we're going to need to think about the contract with Odell Beckham Jr. next year or even this season. They, sh- they should be signing him now. They should sign him as soon as possible because at this point, I might, I, I, if I was him, I might even walk. I might even go to a team that, that he can win with because right now it's not looking good. Um, do, you think, like, do you think that it's possible that he walks in a, in a, in a free agency or he just doesn't he, – he, I, don't, I don't even know what to, what to say. I don't even know what he will do because at this point, if I was in his position and I didn't need the money, I would, I would leave. Well,
0: I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. is going to walk per se. I mean, worst case, they're going to franchise tag him. And I, would, I really would doubt the Giants not giving Odell Beckham Jr.
1: the keys to the city. You and I
0: talked about this actually during the game on Sunday. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., in my opinion, is the most talented wide receiver in the NFL. And I would even go as far to say he, obviously, in my opinion, has a Giants fan, of course, and yours, he, pro- he probably is the best one. And I would also extend it to: there is no non-quarterback in the NFL who needs more to their team than Odell Beckham Jr. means to the Giants. When he's out there and when he's healthy, uh, every week you see him make at least one or two plays, even if they're not even completed passes. Where you just go, "Wow, this guy has it." Yeah. I want that, and they will give him anything and everything <laughs> he wants. If he wants to be the most, if he wants to be the highest-paid player in the NFL. Guess what? He might get it. Over Beckham Jr. might be getting might. the number one money in the NFL, and it would not shock me because of how important he is to the Giants team. So, if he wants $150 million, <laughs> you break out that checkbook and you give him that money. There is no
1: there's no agree. other
0: option, unfortunately. So, he's not yep. leaving, am I? Yep.
1: He's yep. you're 100% right. <laughs> you're 100% right. I mean, they, they need to give him the money. He needs to stay because. As you said before, he is the Giants' offense. He is the guy that is going to bail them out of those positions that, you know, when the Giants are down by three touchdowns, he's going to be the guy that somehow manages to make a comeback. He's he's Eli Manning's best friend every single week. And we saw how hard it was for Eli when he wasn't there or when he wasn't full strength. And then he came in against the Eagles, and he put up two touchdowns. One of them was an insane one-handed grab, something that we're used to. We expect from him now. I never thought that I would expect someone to make catches one-handed in the NFL. I mean, these receivers are they're in the NFL for a reason. But if, if there's a ball that's out of Odell's reach, I expect him to make a one-handed catch. His expectations for himself and our, his expect, expectations from us are so lofty that he is at a different level from everybody else. I mean, he had 79 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he he was unparalleled on the field. Nobody can stop him. He on on the on the, the first touchdown, he completely broke the ankles of the Eagles' cornerback. He was running a slant towards the middle, cut back up towards the end zone, and the the Eagles' defender didn't even know where he was. He looked around. And he was like, "Where's Odell?" And Eli almost <laughs> threw a, a pass that lofted it too much. He was like, "Where's Odell? Where did he go?" But I think that I want to talk a little bit about the celebration, though. I want to talk about. You know What you think about that celebration of him peeing like a dog and after the game, he said that he is a dog and that's why he peed like a dog and he related it to Donald Trump. It got a little bit of political nonsense stuck in there. I think that that was a little bit embarrassing for him and the team. Um, I don't think he should have celebrated like that and I don't think he should have said any of those things. I think he should have just brushed it off. I mean, considering the fact in the Super Bowl, Doug Baldwin pooped out a football and nobody batted an eye. But now everyone's freaking out over this. I don't I don't understand it. I think it was foolish for him to do it, probably. And it was probably a little bit of bad timing considering all the the different things that are happening in the NFL right now. Um, I think it was a little bit of everything. But what do you think about that? Do you think it was, you know, just bad judgment and um, that he should be punished or maybe just scolded by the media? It seems like he's being all that's pretty much happening right now. Um, what do you think about that?
0: So I want to keep it as, as football-centric as I possibly can. When that first happened, I legitimately laughed out loud. I thought it was funny because I thought it was directed at the Eagles. It's like, oh, okay, Odell Beckham Jr. is mocking the Eagles. To me, that was funny. I actually legitimately laughed. I'm like, all right, he's you know not acting like he should, but he's already done it. I might as well laugh because it's just an absurd and stupid thing to do. The NFL typically is very anti-celebration. And I was like, all right, he's going to get whatever, funny story, move on. Arrogance is okay as long as you back it up on the field, and obviously Odom Beckham Jr. can be as arrogant as he wants at that point. The man is incredible as an NFL player. When I found out that I was politically charged, you know, one way or the other, I'm not sure, you know, the politics aside, for or against Trump, it's just inappropriate. You're an NFL player. You're getting paid millions of dollars to play a game. And you're allowed to have your opinion. You're allowed to trust yourself. But there's, there's a level of professionalism you've come to expect at that point. If you're going to mock a team and mock your rival, that's fine. You can do whatever you want. If you're going to mock the, the United States president, that's just not acceptable in my mind. That got too far. So I, I, I mean, maybe that's a bit critical to say because I think it's. I said it was funny to do it to a team, but it's not funny to do it to the United States President. But it upset me when I found that out, and I would have liked it if he had just shut his mouth. Whatever, guy is fine for being, you know, a jerk to the Eagles and moved on. But then he had a, attached the message of right. politicalness to it, and I didn't like that.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. I think that you know he. There's a lot of um, you know NFL players using that spotlight to get the message out um, for their agendas, and I think Odell just he could, took a little bit too far. I think he made a fool out of himself and um, the organization and the fans. It was it was just just poor judgment in the heat of the moment. Um, I'm sure he would take it back if he could, but it was it was just bad. Um, speaking of you know taunting or attacking a fan or attacking a player. Let's talk about uh, Brandon Marshall reportedly spitting on the fan. Did you hear about that at all?
0: I actually didn't. I I was reading because you and I obviously send each other notes. Or typically, you send it to me and then I read it. Uh, notes before the podcast. So we're both informed on the same page, going you know behind the mirror of the podcast. And I read that. I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? I I have not heard this at all. So what exactly happened here, Alex? And what are you take taking because I'm not informed about this at all. What happened here?
1: Okay. All right, so basically before the game, you know, Brandon Marshall's warming up, doing his thing, probably dropping a few balls. He was heckled by a fan. A fan basically yelled at him, how's it going to feel to be 0-3? Get all your catches in now during warm-up because we know you can't catch a, a ball during a game. Marshall responded, no, with, why are you talking? Are you sticking? This, this is an Eagles fan. Eagles fan said that Marshall ran up to him and got in his face and was like, why are you talking are you shaking don't shake don't shake he started you know getting at him and the fan there's a video if you you can you can find it on twitter um, the fan was basically like you spit in my face you spit in my face and I think it was just a little bit of saliva that you know flew out because I don't think you know Marshall would, would shoot a loogie right in the face of an Eagles fan I mean that would get him in serious trouble after the game he was or yesterday I think he was talking about it and he was like I did not spit in his face there is there's no truth to that i think anybody that spits in somebody's face should be severely punished especially in the nfl that is not allowed i mean i watched the video he didn't make any sort of spitting action or anything of that nature it was purely just a heated argument but in the end he still was arguing with a fan that was heckling him you know so that's definitely a, a gray area that's like that shouldn't be shouldn't be you know traveled into and that shouldn't be something that he should be doing in the first place that was kind of a an eye opening you know that's what he used to do kind of thing. You know, that was his personality back then. And now, and apparently now he's better. Um, Everybody knows, you know, he has borderline personality disorder and he has struggled with that. And he has made that very, very apparent in his, in his agenda. Um, But I think that he should have never attacked that fan that way. I mean, that's going to happen. NFL fans, especially an NFC rival, the Eagles of all teams, they're going to heckle the Giants players. That's just part of the game. And he got, he got a little bit too mixed up into it. I think that, he should have never even, you know, gotten to the altercation. Um, but then again, when somebody's attacking you personally, it's, it's hard not to, you know?
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I think what happened there, I mean, I, I don't entirely believe that that's what the fan said, how to feel 0-3 and get all he has catch catching Now, I'm sure he said something worse. But here's the thing, though. Brandon Marshall is an NFL vet. He's been in the league for at least 10 years now, maybe 9, 10 years. The point is that he's probably hurt significantly worse and you expect thicker skin. You know Brandon Marshall is this polarizing figure because you know of his of the multiple personality or whatever the exact illness is. I'm not exactly sure off top of my head. But the point is, is that you should still be a professional in your field, and you should you should know how to handle adversity. At this point, you're not some rookie. This is not your this is not your first game. This is your fourth team. This is your 100th game, 150th game. You you've done this before so many times don't be a child about it don't don't overreact tune him out you're a multimillionaire playing in the nfl this is some fan who cares what he thinks but i, I don't know i didn't know about this that's kind of disappointing to hear i don't think he spit on the fan either only because come on
1: like I that think would be better. That, that would be big problem.
0: yeah that'd be a lot of trouble and if, that, and if that's true Good job, Giants. Your top two wide receivers are literally animals right now. They're acting like a dog and and you know the other kind of dog at that point. Just come on, grow up. That's so that's yeah, definitely
1: definitely definitely yeah a, a bad a bad image is uh, shining on the face of the Giants organization right now. From all around, from the team's performance to the players, it is looking like a disaster. Someone needs to needs to take control. It needs to be Ben McAdoo. He needs to show that, you know, he can take control of his team and, um, you know, lead them to the light. Because right now they're going down a dark path, and it's not looking good. I do want to get into the running game a little bit. We have t- about 10 minutes left of the podcast. I want to talk about the running game. And, you know, we've seen pretty much the worst performance of a, a rushing attack that I've ever seen. I thought last year was bad. This year is just, oh, my goodness. I can't even watch. It's – every time there's a running game, I, I just turn around because I know it's going to be either a negative yardage or two yards. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, I think that the, the, the Giants and the mind of Jerry Reese are just are out of, I don't even know where they are, in space somewhere. They haven't been great since the days of Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, Ahmad Bradshaw and Brandon Jacobs, they, they were the last two running backs that I actually remember were good. I mean, they considered, let's consider the fact that they drafted Wayne Galman in the fourth round from Clemson. Wayne Galman, a guy, a guy that wasn't really that highly touted coming out of college. He was, he was good, but, you know, they had Deshaun Watson there. He's the guy that, that ran that offense. There, Wayne Galman was an afterthought. And you know who was sitting in, in round three? Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt, the guy that is currently lighting the NFL ablaze with 533 yards of total offense through three weeks. Do you want to know how many all-purpose yards Paul Perkins has? Paul Perkins, the guy that looked great last year, he looked like he could have how, how many? T- let, let's take a guess. How many, uh, how many purpose, all-purpose yards do you think Perkins has right now?
0: Without looking at the sheet, I yeah I'm gonna, I would have guessed over 120.
1: Two or three games. You would hope they hit at 40, right? He has 76 all-purpose yards. 76. Isn't 76 Giants all-purpose could, uh, use yards. A running back? I think the Giants could use a couple of running it, backs. Uh, I, I local, agree. Uh, and that's, yeah, yeah. And this is, this is where my next point comes in. It, it, is it due to the offensive line? It is due to the offensive line. Is it due to his – to Perkins's inability to shed a, t- a single tackle? Yes. Is this due to his inability to, inability to find a hole and run with it? Yes. We're better off putting a brick there to run the ball. At least he's tougher than Perkins, who seems to fall down at the sight of an opposing player. There's a, there's a better chance of his shoelace is tripping him up than him seeing a, a run longer than five yards. It, it's, it's actually embarrassing. And, you know, we have Darkwas sitting there in the, in the, in a, as a reserve back, and I think he should be starting now. He got injured last week. Inj- he had his, his back locked up on him but I think he's going to be okay. We need to start him because he had a 20-yard run, which was the longest of the year. Um, it was the only sign of life from the running game that I have seen this entire year so far. Um, I mean, I've heard talks of D'Angelo Williams being interested in the Giants, but that's far-fetched. I mean, he's an old guy. He has a decent burst, but he's not, it's not smart to invest in a running back when we have an offensive line that, you know, seems to do a better job blocking people on Twitter than they do in a game i don't I honestly don't even know what to say anymore. The offensive line is so bad that it's making the running game look bad and I don't even think Paul Perkins is that great to begin with. I think that he was a stretch I mean he's a fifth round pick. I get that you know sometimes you get a you get a gem in the later rounds, but he's a fifth round pick. There is no expectations for him. there's none do you what what do you what do you think do you think that you know the Giants go after a running back like before next season, or do you think they wait and maybe draft someone in the second round? What do you think? The Giants
0: have to draft a Paul horizon. They, they, I can't even think of a Paul They have to get an actual NFL running back in the draft. Paul Perkins has a severe case of just not being good. Let's call it what it is. Paul Perkins just not very good. <laughs> offensive linemen, terrible. You have to now invest in the trenches and offensive linemen and get a running back who can actually, you know, as you said, not get negative one yard, negative one yard, three yards, two yards. Get a running back who can actually stretch the field. Give Eli Manning slash Davis love time. Give him hope. I don't care who it is. It could be you. It could be me. It could be some running back off the street. Just find someone who can actually carry the ball more than two yards. That's not the hardest thing in the world, I would hope. But apparently it's like a fucking, like, it's a mess. And, and I, I don't know. It's, it's the running game upsets me, and it doesn't make me happy. And I
1: don't know.
0: I mean, this is not what I want to say at all. Not going Not at all.
1: I mean, let, let's 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 not forget to mention the joke, the absolute joke that is Rhett Ellison. It is not because that he is lacking skill. We gave him a fat four-year, eighteen million dollar contract to block. Only job is to block somebody. And I haven't even seen him on the field. I think, I don't even know what to say. $18 million that we just wasted on a player that doesn't even really see the field or doesn't even make a difference. I don't see his name called. I don't even, I mean, let's consider the fact that Eli Manning is under duress every play and that the running game is awful. Obviously, he's not making a difference. Is Ben McAdoo underutilizing him? Probably. But I think that, you know, we're, we just paid $18 million for a tight end that's going to ride the bench. He's going to ride the bench, and he's going to sit there, and he's going to watch the team continue to be, to be bad. And then when he's on the field, it's going to be bad as well. So what do you, what do you even – I don't even know. This is Jerry Reese at his, finest, at his finest hour. We're seeing all of his mistakes piled in to one season – Everybody that he drafted in 2015, besides Landon Collins, was a bust. Eli Apple, he was the most disastrous thing I have ever seen on a football field on Sunday. He, he didn't even turn around for the ball. He ran into DeNorris Jenkins to allow the, the game-winning field goal. He was, a, he was a liability, and at this point, I consider him a bust because he can't even turn around to see the ball. He just runs into people with like no, with, he just, he has no idea where he is. He looks like he's drunk out there. <laughs> it looks like he had a few drinks. Went out on the field. He went had a few drinks. Went out on the field and then tried to tried to make a play. He he is he is a disaster. And it, 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 our defense is supposed to be the only unit that's going to be picking up the the team. I don't I don't know what to say anymore. The defense is supposed to be there. They they failed. They failed in the final in the final third. The, the the final moments of the game. All they needed to do was make a stop and get it to get it to OT and they couldn't do that. It was. It, 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 even when we have a hope <laughs> we have to assume that something bad is going to happen. I mean, that's just giants football. It always has been, but back in the day when Tom Coughlin was around you, all, those moments that you were like, it, we're screwed. were you know, we're going to come out of this. We're going to actually make that comeback. We're going to win. Now with Ben McAdoo, we are actually screwed. <laughs> There's no getting out of it. There's a bunch of drunk guys on the field running around right now. And I don't even know what to say.
0: I think I think you said it as perfectly as you could. Um, this is going to get ugly, and it's going to get ugly fast. And we only have a few minutes left. I want to quickly touch on the, the uh, Week Four game against the Bucks. They're not a pushover. You know, the Bucks were one of my sneaky teams. I thought they were going to be an NFC uh, wildcard contender. I thought they were going to be like a 10-16, 11 and five, and they haven't really played up to that level yet. But you still have an incredible team there with a lot of weapons. Sean Jackson. Mike Evans, James Winston, there's a lot of talented players there. And I and I could see the Giants losing this game too. The Giants can be 0 and 4. Like mm. this is not yeah. a this is not a guaranteed win. This is not even a guaranteed close game. The Bucks come out there and drop thirty points and, and the Giants wouldn't be able to keep up. It wouldn't shock me anymore. They're, the balance between time possession yep. for the Giants and their opponents is it's just too much on the defense to handle. I think at that point, I don't think the team was drunk, but I think they were just exhausted because they were left on the field like 35 minutes, 38 minutes in a game.
1: So, yeah, I mean, you're
0: right. I yeah, And yeah. I I, I'm going to give my prediction super quick because you know there was only a few minutes left. I think the Bucks end up winning. Oh man, I think the Bucks end up winning like 21-10. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lower scoring game for the Giants. And then uh, my bold prediction, Giants was twenty one ten. Ben McAdoo's fired on Tuesday. My bold
1: prediction. Okay. That that's a pretty bold prediction, I'd have to say. But uh, it's also at this point a real prediction. It could happen. I mean the, the Tampa base predicted they have a sixty three point seven chance of winning over the Giants, who have a thirty six percent chance. Um it's it, it's gonna come down to Eli, it's gonna come down to the defense. Uh, Like you said, Tampa Bay has a ton of weapons. Mike Evans, Hassan Jackson. They have O.J. Howard now as a tight end. Jameis Winston, who's been okay so far. They are going to be a tough opponent. Every opponent is going to be tough for the Giants. I think that they may – this is, like I said before, they're on the deathbed. They can either survive or they're going to have the, the plug pulled. This is their last opportunity. I think they squeeze out a win. I don't want to be the guy that's biased. Because we're Giants fans, but I have to say this is this is it. This is the game. This is the season. Where I said lightly, you know, last week was the season, but this is actually the season. If they lose, I am pretty much, uh, you know, I I know that they're going to they're going to be they're going to be bad. Yeah, it's over for them. All right, if they lose.
0: What's your score, super quick?
1: Twenty-four seventeen, Giants.
0: All right, there you go, guys. The Giants podcast is over. Thank you guys for listening to The Giants Beat. My name is David Blitzing. I was joined by Alex Wilson. I hope you guys have a nice day. Goodbye.